0: The strawberry girl has a band.
1: Welcome to Hitchcock Chronologically, the podcast where I, Jeff, go through every single one of Alfred Hitchcock's movies in the order they were released. And there's times in life, I don't know if you've ever had this happen, where you think you haven't seen a movie, but then there's things in that movie that remind you of scenes maybe you've seen in the past. And I'm like, oh, maybe I have seen Strangers on a Train. And then there's other scenes that come up and you're like, there's no way I I would have forgotten this scene. I must not have seen Strangers on a Train. And that's how I feel right now, because there's so many moments I'm like, I I promise I've seen this. I I know I've seen this scene. But then there's the finale of this movie. There's no way I've seen it before. Now, I mentioned back on the episode of Saboteur that um, I talked about the universal studios in florida having this alfred hitchcock museum almost like you see a show and then there'd be at the end this sort of the practical way that some of his shots his famous shots were made and one of them i forgot about completely is featured in this movie and so that might be part of it but i or i may have turn on this movie halfway through and then turn it off because there's a little chunk in the middle that just makes me think i've seen it before but then there's the rest of it there's i just i there's no way there's no way i've seen this movie strangers on the train came out in 1951 it's of course directed by alfred hitchcock and it stars farley granger as guy haynes He's a Granger on a train. Uh, sorry. Uh, then Robert Walker is Bruno Anthony. Uh, Ruth Ramon is Ann Morton. Uh, Leo G. Carroll, who's been in several Hitchcock movies recently, he plays Senator Morton. And good old Patricia Hitchcock is back playing Barb Morton, and she has a whole slew of more lines. She plays a much larger role in this movie. For something, something. this, this movie is going to bring up a lot of things I thought I knew. And I thought... Watching a documentary about the making of the movie Psycho that while she was an actress, she was never in any of Hitchcock's movies until Psycho. But she's now been in two. So I don't know if they misremembered. I'm going to tell you a quick story about misremembering. My, my friend Scott and I, Scott from Budget Arcade, you can listen to it wherever you get your, your podcasts, once had a debate over the alien and aliens three. And he told me up and down. It came out of a dog, came out of a dog. It came out of a dog. And I'm like, no, man, it was like a bull or a cow or some sort of livestock. It was not a dog. And we'd go back and forth. So after having this discussion, I go home. I have the alien quadrilogy on DVD. I pop it in and alien comes out of a dog. And I'm like, man, you were right. You know, I would like to believe that I'm the type of person when he's wrong, admits it, you were right. But then come to find out there's like an alternate cut where it comes out of a bowl or whatever, like what I said. Anyway, our movie starts off on a train, as you would think. And despite being called strangers, strangers, despite being called strangers on a train, barely of you know, this movie takes place on a train, Um but that's where our two protagonists meet our protagonist and our antagonist. Uh, our protagonist is Guy Haynes, played by Farley, um, who's a tennis player, semi professional, maybe. There's a point where someone asks if he's going to go pro, and I thought he was pro because he's famous enough to be recognized on the train by another gentleman named Bruno Antony, played by Robert Walker. And Robert Walker is the worst kind of person. I don't know if you've ever been someplace where you just want quiet and you don't want anyone yapping at you. And there's someone nearby who can't pick up on the body language you're putting out to say, Hey, leave me alone. And they just keep talking to you. Well, that's this guy. Bruno just starts talking off guy's ear. He says, Hey, you're that tennis player. Hey, you're dating that one girl, the girl who's not your wife. Okay, so Haynes is married to Miriam Joyce Haynes, played by Casey Rogers. But he's dating Ann Morton, who I think is another tennis player. No, she's the daughter of the governor or the senator. The senator is played by Leo G. Carroll, who was in uh, Spellbound for sure. And he's been in several other movies. I just can't remember them all. Um, I want to see was in the Paradigm case as well. Uh, and so he yaps, Bruno just yaps Guy's ear off and then like talks him into having dinner in the car at one of the, like his own personal cubby where, I don't know what they call it. I'd never rode a train outside of Disney. So these two keep talking. Guy wants to marry Anne and he's in the middle of working through this divorce with his estranged wife and they're already starting the process. As a matter of fact, that's why Guy's on the train. He's going to go see his wife to kind of get things, the ball rolling. And Guy, not Guy, but uh, Bruno hates his dad. And wants his dad dead.
0: Oh, that reminds me of a wonderful idea I had once. I used to put myself to sleep at night, figuring it out. Now, let's say that, that you'd like to get rid of your wife a morbid thought no 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 no. just suppose let's say that you had a very good reason now let's let's no, no, not... let's let's say that you'd be afraid to kill her you know why you'd get caught and what would trip you up the motive ah oh, now here's my idea i'm afraid i haven't got time to listen Bruce. listen it's so simple too two fellows meet accidentally like you and me No connection between them at all. Never saw each other before. Each one has somebody that he'd like to get rid of. So, they swap murders. Swap murders? (laughs) Each fellow does the other fellow's murder. Then there's nothing to connect them. Each one has murdered a total stranger. Like, you do my murder. I do yours. We're coming into my station.
1: So, Guy's not having this at all. But they just kind of leave off as like, that was a interesting conversation. Nobody actually believes that they're going to do either of these things, but you can tell that Bruno's kind of on board with this. Well, this station, this place where guy is getting off is where he's meeting his, his wife who he's working through divorce. And it turns out uh she are, are, guy makes pretty good money being a tennis player, which is later on. Again, I say, someone says, "Why well, should be professional. If he's making money playing tennis, then he's a professional. I don't understand. Okay. I don't get, maybe I'm missing something. I'm probably, but, and she is pregnant. Miriam is pregnant with another man's child. And that's why he wants the divorce. Well, she says she's not getting a divorce. She's going to be with him when he goes to all his events and all these tournaments because she wants to be on his shoulder and wants the money and the prestige. She's not in love with Guy. Well, this makes Guy angry, so he immediately calls his girlfriend and says that he wants to strangle her. Miriam, that is. Not to, that would make no sense. Uh which is a great setup. And we get introduced to uh, Miriam's family. So Leo G. Carroll, the governor, the Senator, I keep saying, and then her sister, Barbara, who is played by Patricia Hitchcock. And she is great. I love Patricia Hitchcock and they have some discussions. There's a lot of stuff in this movie that just drags. It just does. And it's so at some point, we get cut, We cut down to Bruno's house and he's living with his mom. And like his maid is cutting his nails or something or his mom is, I don't remember. I think his mom is like trimming his nails. He's a big baby. And the phone rings for him and it's Guy. But Guy like says a couple words and then hangs up. And I think this is when Bruno's like, oh, the game is on. Now you don't hear what Guy says, but it doesn't seem to be enough him. It's almost like guy thought about it for a second about having Bruno kill his wife, but then backed out. But Bruno takes us as the go ahead. So we get uh, Bruno following Miriam who's hanging out with two other men to a fair. And there's a, a boat that takes them to an Island. And on that Island, he, isolates Miriam, strangles her, and kills her. Now, he later on says that strangling is simple, silent, and quick. Maybe it's silent. It's simple. You don't need any weapons. But it's not quick. Now, granted, he probably didn't have the benefit of all the true crime podcasts we have now. But my understanding is suffocating someone takes a while. But in this movie, it's portrayed as if all you need is maybe five to ten seconds and it's over. Uh, That's what happens here. Now, there's this whole subplot with a lighter. Somehow, uh, Bruno ended up with Guy's lighter that has like it was sent to him from uh, his girlfriend uh, Anne, and somehow Bruno ended up with it. And you even see like her glasses, uh, Miriam's glasses are broken on the ground next to this lighter. He retrieves them both and heads to uh, Guy's house and says, hey, my side of the work is done. And Guy's like, what are you talking about? Oh, I, I killed your wife. She's dead. It was quick and painless. Now, I've never been strangled. But I again, I've established that I don't think suffocating someone strangling them is painless. And it's probably not quick. Well, it's definitely not quick. It's probably not painless, Uh, but okay. Guy can't believe this. And he's like, I'm going to go to the police. Well, Bruno's like, well, you'd be an accessory to murder. You don't want to do that. You'll go to jail and you'll lose your girlfriend and you'll lose your professional tennis career. And now I don't know that that's the case. I'm a man who believes that the truth will set you free. And if he went to the police saying, hey, I met this guy in a train. His name is Dumpus. And he killed my wife thinking that I would return the favor to him. His name is Bruno Dumpus, Bruno Anthony, and you should go check him out. Bruno is sighted at this place by the guy who runs the boats. I think they corroborate, you know, like there's... And and the other thing is, so Guy has an alibi. He was on another train going somewhere else. He was talking to this drunk guy. And so when the police ask him for the alibi, he says it's this drunk guy who was indeed on the train. They find him. They know he was on the train, but the guy was so hammered he can't remember Guy at all. And so this does not exonerate Guy. And there's almost like a pause on this investigation, where you don't really see anything else out go into it. Other than that guy is being shadowed by a pair of police officers. One of them quite friendly uh, by the name of Dr. Hennessy or detective Hennessy, who uh, I think has the hots for Patricia Hitchcock and vice versa. And so the middle point of this movie is right about now. And this part of the movies where it slows down, there's a lot of stalking of guy, Saying, hey, you still need to do my job. He even goes so far as to mail a map to his house with a key. Like, and this is, again, if you say, hey, police officers, this guy wants me to kill his dad and I can prove it. And when he gets that letter in the mail with the key in the map, it's evidence. Like, I think you could probably figure it out. And so the stocking just keeps going and going and going. Eventually they throw a party, a guy and his family. And there's this older woman there and, and who should show up, but Bruno. And he starts, you know, socializing and talking about murder to everyone he can. <laughs> like, there's a thing in these Hitchcock movies where people are just fascinated with murder and how murders are done and how to get away with it. You can go back and look at shadow of a doubt for an example. That's my favorite version of it. And that's what happens here. He has a discussion with women, these two women about, uh, getting away with murder and how they would do it. And they, well, maybe I'd shoot them or I'd poison them. And he says, no, no, no. And he looks at his own hands. These are the perfect weapon. Simple quick, silent. I've already said, probably not. But then he says, if I might demonstrate. And he puts his hands around the neck of this older woman and he sees Pat Hitchcock behind this woman and she has glasses on and kind of looks like Miriam, the late Miriam. And this like takes him back and he pretty much just starts strangling full force this old lady until he finks fortunately he's the only one who faints in this movie uh it's always nice when it's the guy and i i think at this point it's like all right guy says he's pretty much had enough and he calls up dumpus bruno and says hey i'm gonna do your job i'm doing it tonight and then like hangs up the phone and he has, again, the key to the house. He goes in, goes to Bruno's dad's room. is like, uh, Mr. Anthony, uh, it don't don't be afraid. I just want to talk to you about your son. And, of course, the light turns on and Bruno is the only one there. And he's like, what I was trying to tell you on the phone is my dad's not home. But clearly there was something up, so I knew to wait for you. Guy can be dumb. Uh, like... He basically says, You know, I'm not going to do your murder. I have zero intention of doing it. I don't kill people. And so Bruno asks for his key back. And for good measure, Guy just gives Bruno his gun back. There's like this gun that I don't remember how he got it to him, but Bruno gives Guy a gun to use on his dad. And Guy just leaves it there. Again, evidence that could be used anyway. This pisses off Bruno. And he's like, well, I'm, I'm going to figure something out and I'm going to get you back. Well, they learn and they, they discovered that the perfect way to get back at him is to plant this lighter of guys that Bruno still has at the crime scene. So he's going to go do that. And so Anne and Guy are at this tennis match that he's about to go to when they discuss this and determine that, yeah, they need to go there to stop him from doing this, but he has to finish his tennis match. Pat Hitchcock is there as well, as well as Mr. Hennessy and his partner. So this is where the movie really takes a dump because now there's a, a sound clip of Hitchcock out there. That's pretty popular.
2: Four people are sitting around a table talking about baseball, whatever you like. Five minutes of it, very dull. Suddenly, a bomb goes off, blows the people to smooth What do the audience have? Ten seconds of shock. Now take the same scene and tell the audience there is a bomb under that table and will go off in five minutes. For well, the whole emotion of the audience is totally different because you've given them that information that in five minutes' time, that bomb will go off. Now the conversation about baseball becomes very vital because they're saying to you, don't be ridiculous, stop talking about baseball. There's a bomb under there. You've got the audience working. Now, the only difference is, although I've been guilty of, in the picture, sabotage of making this error, but I've never made it since, the bomb must never go off. (laughs) (laughs) Because if you do, you work that audience into a state, and then they'll get angry because you haven't provided them with any relief.
1: Now, I had seen Sabotage after hearing this quote and that he talks about it briefly there, the scene where there's the boy who has the bomb on the cart and he gets hung up because they do just go back and listen to the Sabotage episode. But when I was watching that scene in Sabotage, I knew what was happening. This what he's talking about. But then he says at the same time that the bomb should never go off because then you offer the audience no relief. Now, I'm not one to question Alfred Hitchcock, so I won't. But although I have in the past, but the problem is he says, OK, what what have the audience got if, if they just see the bomb go off? They got about 10 seconds of shock. So you tell them that there's a the bomb there and you can drag it out for five minutes. He doesn't say it like that, but drag it out. He does. And in this movie, we know that Bruno is on his way to plant this lighter. And so the suspense is that guy has to finish his tennis match in time. So you get 15 minutes, not totally about 15 minutes of tennis. And it cuts in this tennis. It cuts a little bit back to, uh, Bruno dropping the lighter in a storm drain and trying to fish it out. And then it cuts back to more tennis and then back to Bruno fishing it out and then back to guy playing tennis. And it's almost 15 minutes. Now I get what he's saying with five minutes. You're dragging out that suspense, but there's a point where people are just okay, am I watching tennis or am I watching a movie? And I got to watch a whole lot of tennis. Well, he finishes his tennis match and uh, with the help of Pat Hitchcock guy makes his escape from the tail of his uh the two cops but they track him down and find out he's going back to the scene of the the crime and they contact the police there to intercept well our guy not guy bruno is there and he's getting ready to get on the boat to go across to plant this lighter the problem is is that since this murder happened This boat ride to this island of death has become quite popular. And the guy who runs the boat ride of death actually saw Bruno the day that the murder took place. And he sees him again now and recognizes him. But before Bruno can get on the boat, Guy shows up and they both run over to the carousel. And now, okay, we've had a ton of tennis and the movie's gotten real boring and bland. And then all of a sudden it just picks up big time because they go to this carousel and uh, behind them are two cops and they're specifically chasing after Guy and Guy starts chasing after Bruno. Bruno gets on the carousel. Guy follows behind and the police officer behind Guy shoots at a carousel that has children on it. And not only does he just shoot at the carousel, he hits the guy operating the carousel who falls over and pulls like the speed trigger the speed bar and then the carousel just goes out of control spinning as fast as possible women and children are screaming there's one boy here who's having a great time though he's laughing it up but guy and Bruno are fighting near this kid and the kid tries to get some licks in and starts punching Bruno and For his trouble, Bruno shoves him off of his horse and he nearly flies off of the carousel. But Guy saves him. And then they wrestle around some more. While this is happening, there's this really old guy who's crawling under the carousel because he's trying to get to the center where the controls are so he can stop the carousel. Now, this is also funny because he's so slow. Now, granted, you have to be careful, but he really takes his time. He's not even in a rush, like trying to be careful. He just, uh, he's like, I can help. I'll get that. It's just, he just can't be bothered. So this goes on for several minutes of them fighting poorly and the carousel going out of control. Finally, the old crusty man, he gets there and he pulls the stop lever. And instead of this thing stopping, it just explodes. Like not in a huge fireball, but he, I guess he stops it so fast that it breaks the carousel and it crumbles the bits and it shoots guy off. And who knows what happens to the children. And the guy who actually crawled underneath to to hit the brake is probably dead. We never see him again. And the police stop guy. But fortunately for guy, the, the boat operators like, no, that's, I've never seen guy before the guy I was telling you who did it was the other one that he was fighting And they they go to Bruno and Bruno dies by not fessing up the truth. He's like, no, you killed her. You left your thing there. And then he just dies. But he has the lighter in his hand and this exonerates guy. And, uh, you know, again, this is one of those times where you could just leave the movie here. But they have one extra scene of guy and Ann on a train and someone says, Hey, aren't you Guy Haynes? And they just leave. And then we get the end there. I've never seen this carousel scene with kind of an exception, but I've talked about before the Hitchcock thing and, uh, that carousel scene, the Hitchcock thing at universal, that carousel scene, there's a scene where Haynes is kicking Guy's hands And you see his foot kind of slowly bump the hands. It looks bad, but they had this at that Hitchcock thing where you would like me and my brother would do it. And one of us would hold on like we were falling off of the carousel and the other one would jab them with the foot, the fake foot. That's apparently how this shot was made. It's hilarious. And it just reminds me. So watching that reminded me of being a kid, uh, which I appreciate, but the movie itself really is not that great. And, and I know sometimes when you see the seams of how storytelling is done and when you hear him say, Hey, this is how I draw suspense. I've seen other movies of his that have a lot of suspense and he's known as the master of suspense, but generally speaking so far, it's not been that suspenseful. Now, when we get to psycho, we'll see real suspense, but this is fine to not worth watching. It's somewhere in there. The beginning is really good. The whole conversation between Guy and Bruno at the beginning is really good. The The scene where he tails Miriam's pretty good. The murder is kind of dumb because, you know, it's just dumb the way it's done. And then the very end of the movie is awesome, but probably for all the wrong reasons because it's just ridiculous. But if you find this somewhere and you want to watch it, I don't think you'd be wasting your time. It's an hour and 40 minutes, but it's not. For this being as famous as it is, I thought it was going to be better. And when I say that, I some scenes I feel I've seen before, like, like I said, I've never seen that carousel scene. And I don't remember ever seeing the opening and, and several scenes in between just totally new to me that there's no way I would have forgotten this, but there's the scene when you first see Bruno in his house talking to his mom. I'm like, that's super familiar. And then the scene where he strangles that old lady at the party. I know I've seen that scene before. I don't know where or when, but I've seen it anyway, but that stranger's on the train. So, uh, we're going to jump ahead two years. The, the Hitchcock is slowing down now as far as how many movies he puts out in, in, in a decade. So we're going to move up to I Confess. Uh, this is starring uh, Montgomery, Clift, and Baxter. Just a lot of names I don't recognize from previous movies. Um, yeah. And I should mention that the lead in Strangers on the Train... Actually played, um, was in the movie Rope. Uh, he played the, not the sociopath, but the guy who actually felt bad for committing murder. Anyway, because um, he looked really familiar and I had to look Anyway, this is Hitchcock Chronologically. You can find me on Twitter at Podcast by Jeff. You can email the show at uh, hitchcock chronologically at gmail.com. You can check out my other movie podcast called The Movie Draft House that I make with Mark. And of course, Budget Arcade. Search for those anywhere you listen to podcasts. Next week, it's I Confess, and then after I Confess, we get some, some good movies. Where the, After I Confess, listen to this. Dial in for Murder, pretty famous. Rear Window, pretty famous. To Catch a Thief, I've never seen it, and I really don't know much about it, but I believe that's uh, Cary Grant, who everyone knows is like the best and it also stars grace kelly we get the trouble with harry which is this comedy it's kind of a i would call it a hidden gem then it's the man who knew too much and then the wrong man i don't know about them vertigo north by northwest psycho it's we're, we're in the thick of it now okay we're through the looking glass let's get through i confess maybe it's a hidden gem i don't know this is hitchcock chronologically i'll see you next week